From around the world, this is the Mutual Audio Network. The following audio drama is rated R and is recommended restricted for anyone under the age of 17. This is the Transmissions from Atlantis Entertainment Network. Expand your wonder. Hi folks, JC Delatore, creator of Vampires of Whitechapel here. We've got a fantastic show for you this week, and I just wanted to quickly mention that this show marks our mid-season break. Our next episode will be released on May 14th. Fear not, though. When we come back, we go straight through the final six episodes of Season 1. We want to thank you for your continued support. If you haven't already, please rate and review us in your favorite podcast app. The more reviews we get, the more folks are going to want to join our terrifying vampire coven. Also, if you're on Patreon, we'll be posting little vignettes and teasers for our return in May. You can join at patreon.com slash TFA Entertainment. To send us off into our little break, we have a doozy of an episode for you. Think the last few have been good? Check out this week's right now. Transmissions from Atlantis Entertainment presents The Vampires of Whitechapel Episode 6 Consequences Written by J.C. Delatore Note, this show contains dramatic scenes of horror and descriptions of violence or gore that may be unsettling to young listeners. Parental discretion is strongly advised. Cantello and I were the only ones left standing outside. He's waiting for me to be alone. Yeah, I agree. I don't like it though, Ariana. Where's your weapon? Trust me, you don't want to know. That's just nasty! Cantello gave a disgusted look and then moved away to her vehicle. I didn't have a weapon on me. For all need no weapons. My sweet? I didn't think you were going to show up. Agent Grayson has entered the suspect's vehicle. What was that? Cantello? What's your 20? Okay, fine. We'll have to pick her up, I suppose. Spinks, get us moving. Uh, sir? Yeah? The tracker hasn't moved. We're not getting anything. What? Damn it! Comms here! All units! I need eyes on a dark Ford Explorer with German diplomatic plates. Coordinate with local law. We need to find this car immediately. I need air support. Bring in the damn Marines! I need everybody on this! We lost Agent Grayson! Repeat! We lost Agent Grayson!
I knew the tracker had fallen. I took it off. As I sat quietly in the passenger seat of Sowerberg's SUV, avoiding eye contact. The sickness was taking me now. The bloodlust was coming. And in a few minutes, it really wasn't going to matter if Sorberg was the killer or not. He pulled into a wooded area behind a local community college, the Ford Explorer's tires roaring over potholes and branches as he drove deeper into the foliage. So this is where you take us. Sorry? This is where you take us to do your bidding? He stopped near an abandoned campground. <laughs> okay. We're here. See that little camping ground over there? He directed to a small overhang and some benches. I got out and moved toward the area. I took a quick glance behind me, too quick for him to see me, and watched as he pulled out a black bag. His tools of the trade, I assumed. He was luring me into his trap. Or, so he thought. I was the Black Widow on this night. I sat on the bench, opened my legs to reveal my raised skirt and lack of anything else. His eyes quickly went there. You are one of the most stunning of my girls. Absolutely the most beautiful I've had the pleasure of working with. Your skin, it's so white like cream. Are you some sort of photographer or something? He placed the bag on the table and moved closer to me bending over and kissed me. His lips pressed hard, aggressively against mine. Hold up. There was some discussion about payment, and I need a clear indication of what we're doing here. Yes, yes, your payment is coming. I have it in the bag. As for what we're doing, I, I have this affliction, you see. I like buying beautiful women like you, and well, you know. Uh-huh. But the thing is, I like to do it as a life leaves their eyes. It's the ultimate rush. <laughs> I felt a slight pressure in my abdomen, looked down, and saw a large serrated knife sticking into my ribcage, just under my right breast. Well, that wasn't very nice. What? How are you talking? That went straight through your heart. How? I don't think you're getting the point. And frankly, I'm tired of getting yours. What? What the hell are you? I am your judge, jury, and executioner. It's Judgment Day. Jesus! Jesus Christ! Jesus is away right now. Can I take a message? The speed in which I took him and gutted him would have impressed even Alistair. I had become a professional at extinguishing life. I only prayed this killer would go to a very different place than I went when I died. He went quickly. Too quickly for me to fully nourish the lust. Ariana! Ariana! Agent Grayson! Are you here? No, not him, please God, not him! My eyesight drew a red hue, and as if I was looking through a heat signature detector, I could see him through the darkness. Before I knew what I was doing, I was on him. He was screaming, and I killed one of my most dear friends.
I had returned to normal as I gazed down at Carl Ambrose's shredded body. I wept. Harder than I had when I first learned of what Alistair had done to me. I was in hell. This is what I was to be from now on. I tried to live by Dexter's code. Not allow the monster inside me to hurt an innocent. Dexter had his demons, but he was no vampire. Ambrose came upon us at the exact wrong time. It was nature, as if he dove into the water during a shark feeding frenzy. No one would blame the shark for doing what was their nature. This was my nature now. But it was Carl Ambrose. Legend. The greatest of us all. And I killed him. I know he was in the surveillance van with the others. Where they were, I wasn't sure. Did they see the attack? Did they run? Was my secret exposed? I think you'll need to be leaving soon. Who's that? The owner of the unfamiliar voice stepped out of the shadows. He wore all black, Victorian dress, complete with a foppish shirt with a flutter collar and matching white linens coming out at the hands. He had a thick, handlebar mustache, wore a top hat, and held a cane in his hand. They're coming. She'll be here any moment. We need to go. Who are you? Oh, Poppy. Please don't tell me Alistair didn't mention me. I've gone by so many names. James, John, Herman, Henry, Jack. You're him. The Ripper. <laughs> Truth be told, I always hated the name. Damn reporters trying to hype up the hysteria. Fake news. It did prompt me to pen a letter to the Lusk, though. I'll give him a little gift. Anyway, we don't have time to discuss memories. We need to move, child. Why should I go anywhere with you? Because if you don't, you're going to end up in jail for murdering your fellow agent. And love, our kind doesn't do well behind bars. I deserve it. I killed... Carl. What of it? He was my friend. Oh, for the love of... You're supposed to eat them. Or make them your pets. Maybe I'm still fond of keeping a connection to my mortal coil. You're mortal. What in the world has Alistair been teaching you? Nothing. I can see that. I've been watching. I see your choice in victims. I have to say you're a picky eater. In any event, up and at them. I can hear the sirens getting closer. Your life here is over. It's time for you to make a new one. I followed Jack away from the wooded area, and we proceeded to his car, which he had parked on a side street adjacent to the wooded area. His vehicle, a black 1970s Corvette Stingray, with a classic body style, roared to life, and he peeled down off the street. In the distance behind us, the flashing lights of police cars and FBI SUVs seemed to be descending on the area. Overhead, a blue helicopter with a mounted searchlight approached the area we were vacating. Careful, Poppet. Don't be getting any Ambrose on the upholstery. Where are you taking me? Egypt. No, really. Where are we going? Egypt. Memphis, to be exact. In there you'll find your passport, driver's license, and our tickets. And why the hell are we going to Egypt? 
I mean, don't we need to keep our heads attached? <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, quite. But it's not like those mortals could harm us. Besides, where we're going, the only unsavory types will be our kind. You haven't answered my question. Well, first, because it's simply lovely this time of year. Second, because your name and picture are going to be all over the internet and 24-hour news stations in short order. Third, because you've been summoned. By whom? By Queen Tanninagua, of course. Who? By God, did Alastair tell you anything at all? I haven't seen that bastard since the day he turned to me. Well, it broke one of the cardinal rules we have. You're not supposed to turn anyone who refuses the gift. You have to truly want life over becoming a burrito. I chose the burrito. Indeed you did. How do you know that? We're connected through Alistair, child. His thoughts are my thoughts, just as yours are his. In fact, he's a bit disturbed to know I'm still kicking. I've been in, uh, retirement. So what does the Queen want with me? All in good time, puppet. All in good time. Jack pulled into the Tampa International Airport, but took a back street to a private runway. Luckily for you, we don't have to go through the nonsense of customs. But you'll still need that passport to get around. I took a look at the name Jack had chosen for me. Mary Jane Kelly. I knew the name. Mary Kelly was the last of the accepted Ripper victims. Jack smiled and popped the trunk on the stingray, grabbing a bag from the storage. He quickly opened it and grabbed something. Here you go, love. Jack tossed me a box of hair dye, black. I followed him up the ramp and noticed the stewardesses were human. <laughs> Ooh. Oh, look at that, Ariana. The Queen Mama's provided us with an in-flight meal. So where have you been all of these years? Well, my connection to you is, uh, accurate. You know, I've been in America for a while. Spent some time in Chicago, New York, Vegas. I really liked Vegas. Did you know I almost chose the name Jill for you? Could you imagine that? Jack and Jill. <laughs> oh, poetic. Don't change the subject. You mentioned you've been in retirement. Alistair told you. There comes a time when you get sick of it all and you just go to ground. The politics, the constant struggle to conceal our eating habits. I've been around a long, long time, Poppy. Things are very different now. How long? What an impertinent question so early in the conversation. Let's just say uh, I hit four figures a few years ago. So how have things changed? Technology, I assume. Absolutely, this 
Snapface, live broadcasting, Twittygram. I don't understand any of it. I knew my time had come to go to the extended sleep. So what brought you back? Well, you, love. I figured Alistair would join me in the extended sleep. I felt his longing as strong as mine, in fact. It could have been his longing that drove me to Crypt. I'd been asleep for just a few months when he took you. And when you quickened him, you did for me as well. So I woke the most notorious serial killer of our time by chasing Alistair. <laughs> oh, kind of ironic, don't you think? Not sure ironic is the word I'd use. Anyway, I saw great interest in Alistair's creation. So I sought you out. And in the last couple years, you have been seeking out all of these murderers, thugs, evildoers. I watched with great interest as you perfected your craft. Most of us would have had to move lives by now. But you play your role so perfectly. Ambrose had no idea what you were. He even fell in love with you. If only he knew. Shut up! Ariana, please tell me you didn't care for him. I did, okay? A little bit. But I knew better. Did you want to turn him? He'd have been a little old, but... No! Never! Then he's food! Think no more on it! There was an uncomfortable silence for a while. Jack excused himself, and I heard the sounds of a struggle. I didn't see one of the stewardesses for the rest of the flight. The other was white as a ghost. I didn't take her, if that's what you were thinking. Of course I didn't. I had my fill with Sorberg and... Ambrose. God, Ambrose. Jack came by and handed me his phone. There it is. Former FBI agent Ariana Grayson wanted in questioning regarding murder of fellow agent Carl Ambrose. Someone must have seen me. They called me former. <sighs> I'm already burned. Don't worry. No one will believe them. But we left two nasty bodies there that you're connected to. We'll not want to visit Florida on holiday for a while. I thought back to Alistair. He had now succeeded taking everything from me. My life... My profession, my humanity. What good was the code anymore if I killed Ambrose? It didn't matter anymore. I was now what I hunted. I deserved no better fate than Soerberg or any of the others I judged. Now you're getting it, Poppet. Get out of my head, Jack. Couldn't even if I wanted to, love. I'll have you know, Alistair is frightfully worried for you. Screw him. Ah, there's that feisty Gregson spirit that so intrigued me. Ah, we're landing. Say, are you going to eat that? He pointed to the other, terrified stewardess. No. Help yourself. Ah, brilliant. No, no, leave me alone, no! Come now, pretty. Come to saucy.
we arrived in Cairo and a limo awaited us. We were on the road to Memphis in short order. It was pitch black out, but I could see the pyramids of Giza lit up in the distance as we drove the sandy roads. Memphis, what was left of it anyway, was a tourist destination for the ruins of the ancient Old Kingdom capital. There wasn't much left there. I wondered why, of all places, we'd go there. It seemed too open for our kind to have any sort of... What would they call it? Base? Nest. Jesus, Jack. Sorry, love. Can't turn it off. Who are you talking to, anyway? I'm ordering things in my mind. I need to tell it to myself in story form to help me keep all the facts straight. Right in a diary, are we? Something like that. A mental diary. Or perhaps a report to Dearest Alistair. Now that you know he's listening. Absolutely not. Don't worry, Poppy. Alistair will have to deal with the consequences of what he did. We all deal with the consequences. Ain't that the truth? We drove past the ruins and out further into what seemed to be vast nothingness. We're here. Where? Come on, love. You'll see. We got out of the car and Jack walked over to an empty space. The limo quickly sped off. Ariana, now focus. See with your vampire eyes what the cattle can all. I focused on where Jack was pointing, and suddenly, as if a fog had lifted, I saw it. A huge Egyptian palace, torches aflame, guards an ancient kingdom dress at the gates. They were not human. I saw the queen on her balcony. She was stunningly beautiful, with dark, mocha skin and an elaborate headdress. Your Highness, delivered as requested. Guards, seize the infidel! Out of nowhere, two of the Egyptian guards grabbed me. I tried to struggle, but they had a grip on me like I've never felt. There was no escape. Now, Your Highness, are we even on the Draugr thing? May I go about my business? Yes, Jackie Hotep, you may. Uh, Jack! <laughs> I'm sorry, Poppy. It was you or me, and, uh... Well, I'm sort of fond of me. I hope you understand. If not, it won't matter soon. <laughs> I watched as Jack descended down the steps of the palace. Another car drove up. A 1970s Corvette Stingray. Black. A man got out, bowed to Jack, who quickly sat behind the wheel. He was gone. Another car drove up and picked up the man. I was dragged into the lower palace. What? What's happening? What do you want with me? They were silent, dragging me further and further into the depths of the palace. I knew I would never be found. If anyone was even looking, they'd never find this place. The extravagance of the upper layer transcended into a much older, darker visage. I was being taken to their version of a dungeon. Skeletons and decaying bodies, 
Some appeared to be tourists, were strewn around the path. Finally, I was brought into my final stop, a cell. I was tossed in. Damn it, talk to me! What do you want from me? Why are you holding me here? Who are you people? I tried to bend the bars, but they were reinforced somehow. This was a vampire prison. As I scanned for a way out, I saw it. A dark figure sitting quietly in the corner. Hello? Hello, my dear. I'd say I'm pleased to see you, but given the circumstances... Alistair? Thank you for listening to Vampires of Whitechapel. If you like our show, subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or any of the other podcast apps that podcasts are aired. Be sure to rate and review our show. It's vitally important to bring more victims into our vampire coven. You can also support the show on Patreon at patreon.com slash TFA Entertainment. We have exclusive Vampires of Whitechapel content, including Patreon-only episodes, early access to these episodes, and behind-the-scenes interviews with actors and creators, all just for you. Music for this episode was provided by Midnight Syndicate. You can find out more of their music at midnightsyndicate.com. Alistair Conacher and Jack the Ripper were played by Alexander Dottie. Ariana Grayson was played by Cat Noel. Carl Ambrose was played by Eric Holloway. Queen Tananaqua was played by Aaron B. Lillis. Sorberg was played by J.C. Delatore. The Stewardess was played by Melanie Scroggins. This episode was written, produced, and directed by J.C. Delatore. You can find out the latest news and developments regarding this audio drama at vampiresofwhitechapel.transmissionsfromatlantis.com. Want to discuss the show? Join our Facebook group or hit us up on Twitter at VampiresofWC. Be sure to follow the Vamps on Twitter at Ariana Grayson, at Alistair the Vamp, and at Jack the Ripper WC. But be warned, if you at them, they just might at you back. Join us on May 14th as we bring you another spine-tingling chapter of our Vampire Coven. This has been a production of the Transmissions from Atlantis Entertainment Network. Copyright 2019. Mutual of Audio's Sonic Kingdom, presented to you by the Mutual Audio Network, the network where we can all listen and imagine, together. Hi, I'm Perky Marlins, and welcome back to Mutual of Audio's Sonic Kingdom. Last week, we traveled to the wilds of Audio Island, which is in the western edge of that place some call the Bermuda Triangle. We went there to check on the progress of an audio drama producer who we have re-educated into the aspects of surviving in the wilds of the audio podverse. 
This wild creature, who Jim has named Bobo, has been used by society as a data entry clerk, a bartender, a project manager, an exotic dancer, and a biomedical research subject. The Mutual Audio Network's re-education project gives our young friend an opportunity for a productive life in Bobo's natural environment as an audio drama or comedy producer. The rehabilitation of this magnificent, wild, and creative animal includes a chance to reach a wider range of distribution and the extra exposure that brings, along with free production resources and the potential to make some money. Bobo has been hard at work on a first masterpiece, and right now, we can see Jim giving Bobo some feedback on the final mix. <laughs> That's pretty good, Bobo. I'm just not sure about the choice of background music. It seems to be a bit too... <laughs> no! No, I'm sorry, Bobo! No, don't, don't, don't hurt me, Bobo! <laughs> Artists. Sometimes they can get a bit touchy. Well, Jim knew the job was dangerous when he took it. Join us next week as Mutual of Audio's Sonic Kingdom will visit a pack of voice actors living in the hidden valleys of darkest Nova Scotia. For more information about the Mutual Audio Network, go to mutualaudionetwork.com or inquire at mutualaudio at gmail.com. Oh! Oh!